You're listening to Workplace Perspective, an employment law podcast presented by Sapphire Legal. Workplace Perspective is a regular podcast series for employers and employees focusing on education, training, and the law to help organizations of all sizes develop and maintain successful workplace relationships. The opinions expressed by guests on Workplace Perspective do not necessarily reflect those of Sapphire Legal or its attorneys and should not be considered legal advice. And now, here's your host, founder and principal attorney at Sapphire Legal, Teresa McQueen. Thank you, James, and welcome everyone to Workplace Perspective, where we are striving to raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. Today, we're going to be talking with Dr. George Cartwright about violence in the workplace. I'm really looking forward to hear what Dr. Cartwright has to say on this perspective in this hot topic. It's going to be a great show. Don't go away. We'll be right back. The opinions expressed by guests on Workplace Perspective do not necessarily reflect those of Sapphire Legal or its attorneys and should not be considered legal advice. You're listening to Workplace Perspective, an employment law podcast presented by Sapphire Legal. Welcome back to our listeners and welcome to Workplace Perspective, Dr. Cartwright. Well, thank you. It's great to be on with you. Should I call you Dr. Cartwright or George? Which do you prefer? You could call me George. How about that? All right. You and I have these awesome Hollywood names. You realize that, don't you? (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) I was hoping you were related to Steve McQueen, but... But then we talked about Lightning McQueen, and then uh, then you lost me. <laughs> exactly. So we had our earlier conversation. We talked about the fact that the car rides, of course, Bonanza, and of a certain generation, you would get that. And I always get asked if I'm related to Steve McQueen, to which I usually say, well, if it's advantageous, absolutely. But um, nowadays, a totally new generation, I get, oh, Lightning McQueen. So it's this whole... <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole new thing. I wish I had some of the Bonanza money. That would be great. I know. Well, <laughs> ditto for me is on both McQueens, actually. <laughs> like McQueen. Yeah, That's right. But anyway, well, before we get started, uh, why don't you tell our listeners just a little bit about uh, what you do? Well, I, uh, I was in law enforcement uh, for about 18 years in the Central Valley, and I, toward the end of my career, I started training cops, and I really liked it. Uh, so a position opened up at a local community college for a criminology instructor, and I applied and was fortunate, fortunate enough to get the job. And one of the topics that I, that I taught was workplace violence. I really liked it, so I published an article in the FBI Bulletin on the topic, and uh, since that time, I've facilitated training for several organizations with in workplace prevention, violence prevention, conflict resolution, threat assessment, and those kinds of things. So it's just a topic that's really relevant, uh, so vital to understand and create awareness for. Um, so it, it just it really interested me. Well, it is a really hot topic, and I think especially in you know in, in these times, it's becoming more and more prevalent. Um, I, I think that your background's really interesting, and it really lends itself uh, to the topic, of course. And we'll have that uh, article that you wrote up on our website, so people can refer to that if they'd like uh, more information uh, about you and, and your perspectives. But that's what you're here to share with us, so let's jump right in. What I want to know, first off, is sort of... Kind of what, in your opinion, are, are really the most common forms of workplace violence? So what are we talking about when you're, when you're referencing workplace violence? Because it could be quite a spectrum, correct? Yes, it is. It is a huge spectrum. In fact, uh, I didn't realize uh, through my time in law enforcement that, that really, if, if 
there's a robbery at a at a convenience store. That's technically that's workplace violence. Uh, but but it, so it's it's very uh, very common. I think although homicide is the most published form of workplace violence, I don't think it is the most common. It's just the most published. I think verbal abuse is very prolific. There is threatening behavior, including uh, harassment and stalking, um, bullying in the workplace, those kinds of things. There are physical assaults, sexual assault, domestic violence. As a police officer, I have seen quite a bit of domestic violence that spills over into the workplace. It's just so, um, it is, it's a wide spectrum, and there's there's so much involved in it, and, and almost everything violent, uh, if it's on or near the workplace, is really comes in, on, falls under the category of workplace violence. It is a pretty broad category. You know, I think it's interesting, from, you know, verbal abuse, stalking, the threatening behaviors, from a from a legal perspective, you know, we go in and do trainings and we talk to employers about the legalities of all that and identifying it and dealing with it from that perspective. But this this idea of sort of bullying and verbal abuse from a legally actionable perspective in employment law context, um, besides a duty to identify it and and, and address it and protect employees, there's not a lot you can do in the workplace as far as a one-on-one handling of that situation other than managing those employees. How do you address that with employers? Well, really, I think the best thing to do is for everyone is to have clear-cut policies in place, systems in place. Um, I know I talk about a statistic in the article about 61% of organizations that they participated in a in a survey and 61% uh, they didn't have systems in place or formal policies, and they were basically just winging it. And the problem with that is, uh, you can imagine, one person gets uh, gets his or her hand slapped for doing the same thing, another person gets fired for, and that creates a lot of, of liability, brings a lot of liability onto the organization, not to mention the pain and suffering that employees go through. And I think uh, things have to be outlined, uh, especially policies, policies and and. and and training and those types of things have to take place. And so I wanted to ask you about that. So that that is something in your, you know, that you mentioned in your article at 61% of organizations. But the way you phrase it, they respond to violent threats and assaults based on the situational circumstances. Can you tell me a little more about what you mean by that? Yes, and basically that is um, they they have nothing in place and and they are just taking incidents of workplace violence on a case-by-case basis. They really don't have anything in place, written down, uh, to which they can refer to know how to address incidents that happen. And most of the time, people just send them away and say, uh, you know, that's just, that's just the way that person is, or don't worry about it, we'll take care of it. And then it just goes away, and everyone is further victimized. It's, uh, and 61% just, uh, they really don't take it, 61% of the organizations that were surveyed, they just don't seem to take that very seriously and don't seem to have, really, they're not being very diligent in that area. And it's costing a lot of money. Yeah, that, that idea that they are, they're just kind of winging it. One of the things I notice, at least so I can relate it to sexual harassment training, um, which also addresses, you know, how to handle abusive conduct or threatening conduct. And I'm always big on 
the practical side. Everybody needs to hear, and obviously 61% of organizations really need to hear, you have to have policies, you have to have procedures in place. But beyond that, you have to have you have to have some ability to actually deal with it. Like, how do you practically deal with these things? And I notice in like sexual harassment situations that the trainings that people give are very limited by the trainer's own comfort levels, their knowledge, and how they would handle it. You know, they can't, they sort of can't get out of their own way. It's their perception. Do you find that when it comes to training uh, organizations with regard to how you handle violence in the workplace? Yes, and in fact, from my job at the teaching at community college, I'm going through the sexual required mandated sexual harassment training now. And they, uh, they give us a link and say, listen to these and watch these uh, 142 PowerPoint slides. That's no situation. <laughs> I have a huge problem with that. We won't even go there. I have a huge problem with yes. that. Yeah. Exactly. That's just sexual harassment training. <laughs> Workplace violence, they do nothing on hardly anything at all. If you have a problem, they say, go to the boss and tell them. But there's really nothing clearly defined, and it's it's madness. You know, I I would do trainings, and I would ask people if they've ever been involved in workplace violence, and, and and, you know, a smattering of hands would go up, and then I would explain and define what it is, and then everybody in the room has experience. Everybody has somehow been involved in workplace violence, witnessed it, been a victim, or done it, right? I mean, it it is so prolific. Absolutely. Um, When you're talking with clients, how are you contextualizing it for them? How are you making it real to them in terms of how you handle it, how you make it real? Because clients do get that. They they feel like, well, we don't really have those issues there. But then, like you said, you talk broader about it, and they go, oh, yeah, we do. So how do you and your trainings and, and advice sort of contextualize that and make it real for them to help them move forward in dealing with it? Are you talking from the perspective of the employer or the employee? Well, on workplace perspective, we look at both sides of the coin. So if you can talk (laughs) about both sides, that'd be great. (laughs) Well, let's start with the employer. It's really important that a person who comes forward with an issue or has the issue that they are are listened to. Very practical things. In fact, I I, I really, I I did a graph in the article that I wrote. Uh, Literally, don't, how you position your chair when you're talking to someone. Make sure that they're not between you and the door, you know, as as the HR professional. Uh, Make sure that you listen, you make eye contact, that you tell them that you hear them, you thank them for bringing this forward. And above all else, make sure security measures are are put in place. and, And that is, from the perspective of the employer, there's just a myriad of, of things that employers can do to help prevent the workplace violence, but mainly they have to listen, listen to people. I, I have a situation in my own family this very week of work, workplace violence. My mother-in-law works for a convalescent hospital, and one of her co-workers got mad because she wanted to work in the building where my mother-in-law's station was assigned to work. And she started yelling at her and then took a swing at her. Oh, my <laughs> Actually, goodness. Yes. And they haven't done anything to that employee yet. She has gone forward. My mother-in-law has gone forward and explained what happened. We drafted a letter to the bosses, and nothing has happened. That's part of that 61% to say, well, uh, we'll just uh, wing it and see see where this lands. And, boy, they bring it on so much liability. Well, let me ask you that. What advice did you give her in that regard? So we can look at the employee perspective of that. What did you, what did you impart to her? Of course, I, I out, uh, documented uh, documented the incident, helped her document the incident, exactly how it went down, just like a police report, really, to give to her boss and to explain 
in very specific details. First, what happened, who saw it, and how it made you feel. Because she feels threatened, she doesn't feel safe at work, and she's losing sleep. And those are all issues that happen as a result of a workplace violence when someone is victimized. So we talk about it from the employee standpoint. If we have a troubled employee, we really need to monitor I think it's the job of leadership of everybody to be hypervigilant and monitoring coworkers and, and, and everybody around them. If it's coworkers or, or customers, often it's customers that perpetuate or perpetrate the violence on the, on the organization. It uh, really takes a lot of hypervigilance on everyone's part watching. Is there changes in behavior of the employee? Is their hygiene gone down? Well, you know, let's let's talk. I want to talk more about that. We're going to take a quick break. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we come back, I want to sort of delve into the behaviors that you can look for, some red flags or some warning signs. So let's take a quick break. And, and then when we come back, we'll talk a little more about this. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Hello, it's me, the designer jeans in the back of your closet. What happened to us? I used to summer in the Hamptons, and now I'm stuck behind a pair of sweats. Okay, maybe I never really fit you right, but I got a lot more Sunday fun days left in me. So take me to Goodwill, where I can really make a difference. Your donations to Goodwill create jobs, training programs, and education assistance for people in your community. To find your nearest donation center, go to goodwill.org. Donate stuff. Create jobs. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Our latest video-based training program is specifically designed for new employee onboarding and allows your company's HR professional an integrated opportunity to present company-specific policies and procedures on preventing unlawful conduct in the workplace. With complaints of harassment on the rise, a proactive onboarding plan that includes anti-harassment education is a smart decision. Available when you need it, where you need it, Our training program is viewable on workstations and is iPad, Android tablet, and mobile device compatible. Preview our video by going to video.sapphirelegal.com. That's video.sapphirelegal.com. Welcome back, everyone. We're talking about violence in the workplace with Dr. George Cartwright. Dr. Cartwright, I kind of had to cut you off a little bit, but I, I want to sort of revisit what we were talking about before the break about some of the warning signs or maybe some of the red flag behaviors that employers and employees can watch out for to kind of help prevent workplace violence. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yes, and as, as we were talking before the break, it really comes down to the responsibility on everyone in the workplace to be hypervigilant. And, and by hypervigilant, I mean, I want to define terms here. I, I'm talking about looking at the world through a, a threat-based perspective. And I know that sounds paranoid, <laughs> but as a police officer, uh, we're trained in the academy to be hypervigilant, which really saves our lives. I think it saves a lot of lives. And that simply is what is going on with people around us. And too often, uh, I'm afraid a lot of people just bury their heads in the sand and don't notice. If someone's hygiene, they stop taking care of themselves physically, and you start noticing that. They have changing behavior. They, have, they start obsessing about guns, or maybe it's a romantic obsession, or we've certainly seen a lot of that in the workplace. Shifts in attitude where they are increasingly angry and start verbalizing it more and more. When we do threat assessment, we look at the different types of behavior so that we can do an assessment to determine where this person is on the spectrum. You know, they start 
getting angry over little things and expressing their anger more and more, more outbursts, and maybe that escalates, and they start throwing things, and um, and then they start being aggressive with uh, with their coworkers. Uh, those are red flags when they start to demonstrate violent behavior, and and that's all uh, things that that happen slowly over time. I, I think you know we we get used to people's behaviors, kind of like the. Uh, the frog in, in in the boiling water, you know, you set the the, the frog in the water and, and, and turn it on, and they'll sit there, and the water will get hotter and hotter, and, and they won't uh, they won't leave. Uh, they'll they'll burn up, um, and I think that's what we do often uh, as as people in the workplace. We, we don't monitor. We're not hyper vigilant. At least that's that's a an overview of some of the red flags that that I see that I've noticed in my career. This idea of being sort of hypervigilant, I think, I think people are more aware, not necessarily in the workplace context, but out in a, in a public environment. I think people are certainly paying more attention to their surroundings um, because of the things that have been going on, you know, the Boston Marathon with that and the shooting that happened in Las Vegas. Do you think that those public instances of violence have sort of heightened concerns within the workplace? I certainly hope so. Um, I believe that uh, that we probably are being a lot more careful than we used to be in, in times past. I, I know, you know, when I grew up, we didn't lock our front door in our house, you know, as, as a child. In our, in, in our house, we didn't lock the front door. We didn't lock the door to our cars. And now I lock the front door when I'm at home. <laughs> right. I know. I feel the same way. I'm from a very, but I'm from a very small town, but it was kind of the same sense of security that I don't think we have anymore. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and and I do think uh, people are paying more attention. Sometimes I think when things get out of hand, for example, you'll appreciate this as an attorney. When I was a, a cop in, in one of the, I was a cop in two two agencies. In, in the first agency where I was a police officer, the county hired a, a deputy district attorney, and I thought this guy was awesome. The first time I met him, he was disheveled, his suits were wrinkled. And, and he kind of uh, talked out of his head a little bit, and I thought, what, what in the world is going <laughs> that's, on? That's how the attorneys I know. <laughs> 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 Sorry, go on. <laughs> Just describe. No, I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> uh, and uh, well, well, they find that before his probation period was up, they terminated his employment. And I thought, okay, well, yeah, <laughs> no kidding. So he came back a short time after being fired, and uh, and and lit um, lit the courthouse. And the district attorney, the office of the DA, was right there next to the courthouse, and and, uh, and, and burned the building down. What? <laughs> burned it. Yeah, he burned it down. Um, yeah, arson. He went to prison for arson. Uh, wow. Yes, I. And and you think, well, how did we not see that coming? just underestimated him, which is, I think, is a problem. We may notice someone's off, but maybe uh, we just underestimate. We think, no, that person really isn't dangerous, or this really isn't a problem. And I, I worked in domestic violence as a police officer investigating those crimes. And uh, well, I always think, man, if, I bet if, if, if a wife could come back who's been murdered by her husband, I bet the first thing she would say is, boy, take this stuff seriously. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, why didn't I see the warning signs? And hindsight's always twenty twenty in those regards. You mentioned something that sort of triggered something for me. Employee selection. You know, there have been so many changes in the law with regard to employee selection, the ban the box issues, and when and at what point you can do a criminal background check. 
So I have a lot of HR professionals that are always asking about how can we make better choices in employee selection, even before you make the offer of employment, because now the law is you have to make a conditional offer of employment before you can do the background check. So, and then once the background check comes back, there's some very specific steps you have to follow if you're going to deny employment based on anything that was found in the criminal background history. So is there anything that you can impart to maybe our HR professionals in that initial interview process selection um, that, you know, I know you mentioned some of the red flag behaviors, but is is there anything on either side of that equation you can sort of help them make better choices before maybe to not make that conditional offer of employment? Um, and just to talking about the initial interview to try to get a feel for the person. Yes, at that point, try to understand how can we do better do that. Um, you know, I've worked in, in public service, in the public, sorry, in the, in, the, in the public safety and the public realm uh, for most of my adult life. And there's a lot more opportunity to do a lot more background checks and those kinds of things than you can in the private sector. But I would say we ask questions a lot. Tell me about yourself. How do you fit here? What do you offer? These kinds of generic questions. When I think if we would put them, if we would couch our questions more in the form of scenarios, for example, tell me a time when you were upset at work. What did you do? And, and see what kind of responses we get. Those are very difficult. Those are very difficult interviews, but boy, they are the most effective, in my opinion, for getting a real true feel for a person. If you ask them scenario-based questions initially to, to weed that person out, if they, if they you know, create any red flags, now they can't go off of a script that they've memorized and prepared for the interview. They have to talk about their lives or make something up. And then if they're making it up, um, we know body language and, and things like that, where we can kind of determine if they're not telling the truth, right? I think that would be a big, big help for private sector. Yeah, I mean, I think that's great. I think <clears throat> I've heard a lot of people talk about making those initial interviews more meaningful now that the laws change, because you have to make the most of your time at that point. Mm-hmm. Speaking of time, we are running out of it, which is something that I just hate, because there's so much more I want to ask you, and I'm sure there's so much more you want to tell our listeners. But for right now, can you give us a few key takeaways or uh, maybe share a quick favorite client story? The main takeaways here are we need to be hypervigilant. Everybody needs to be, not in a big brother way, you know, reporting each other and constantly worried about what other people are doing all the time, like in a Gladys Kravitz way, if that's a strange reference there. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's a dated... Of a certain age, my friend, of a certain age. <laughs> Those people understand Bonanza. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> I think that we, we need to we need to pay attention to everybody in our lives and, and that we work with, people that come into our businesses, customers, and we need to be watching uh, from a threat-based perspective. I think that's a takeaway. I think we need to take things seriously. We need to really f- focus on early intervention for employees. If somebody is having going through a divorce or going through a, a bankruptcy or a foreclosure or something, you know, horrific, a loss of a loved one, and they're coming to work and. You know, my old cop bosses would tell us, you know, the crusty sergeant would say, well, you know, leave it at the door. You're at work now. Forget about it. Like, you know, who can do that? Right. I think uh, early intervention, pay attention to people, and take them seriously. That would be my takeaways for this. 
Well, that's great advice. I love the takeaways, and it's really relevant. And I want to thank you so much uh, for joining me today and for sharing such valuable insight and your great, unique perspective on this really important topic. That's our show for today. If you want to learn more about ways to help identify and prevent workplace violence in your organization, you can contact Dr. Cartwright by email at george.cartwright at sccd.edu. That's G-E-O-R-G-E dot C-A-R-T-W-R-I-G-H-T at S-C-C-C-D dot E-D-U. You can also contact or connect with George via our website at sapphirelegal.com slash podcast and clicking on episode number 20. I want to also thank our listeners, my radio angels, James and the Nave at Night, and Workplace Perspectives team extraordinaire, engineer Paul Roberts, with music provided by the very talented Stephen Versaloni. Thank you all for joining us on Workplace Perspective, and until next time, keep raising the bar. <laughs>